Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's Connect Sunday. We're talking about relationships. Who's excited? <laughs> Half of you are excited. I wasn't that excited to preach this message. I'm being very honest with you because I would not consider myself on paper a relationship expert. However, I've seen what God has done in my life over the past 20 years by following his blueprint for relationships. And I'm telling you, if we follow what he says in the area of relationships, you will have the most beautiful fruit, the most amazing life, the most fun, and that's what God has called us to. So it's, it's good. So you guys can all be seated. We're gonna have some fun today. I'm a little more transparent than usual today, so that makes for a really fun experience and message in church when your pastor just decides to throw themselves and their husband under the bus, so that's fun. But don't worry, there's also some really powerful points, you know. Um, but really, I, I'm telling you, my husband and I can only preach and have the wisdom that we have because God has used us in certain areas, in areas to to use our experience so that we can share with you so that you also don't have to make some of the same mistakes that we have made. And so it's really good. So it's like Pastor Eugenie Leanne says, it's teach me how to live. And that's what we do. We learn how to live from the most amazing pastors, reading the word of God, and then we get to teach people how to live. So it's good. Um, I'm excited that it's Connect Sunday. That's very awesome. We want everybody in a Connect group. I don't know if you heard that said yet, but we, our desire is that everybody is connected because it's better when we're all connected. And you're going to learn in this message why it's better, why it's God's plan, and how it works itself out. Um, I do want to give you a quick update on our beloved friend, Catherine, who's been in the hospital since last Wednesday when she was hit by a car coming uh, across the street to church. Very unfortunate and sad thing that happened. However, God is so good. Uh, miracles after miracle after miracles have been happening in that place in our city. Um, and I want to let you know that Catherine is breathing on her own. She's had her eyes open. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I have been reminded of how powerful community can be when it's done God's way. And there has been person after person faithfully showing up and praying and being the church. And I'm so proud of our church. Community, there's nothing more important than community. And it's something worth fighting for. In the world that we live in, where it's a daily, uh, a daily we have to put a daily effort into making relationships happen, making community happen, is going to be a daily exercise for all of us. But I know that God has a plan for it. And like I said, I'm not the relationship expert. And so it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to, to preach on this. But because I've learned a few things, because being around 20 years, walking into this house with very dysfunctional relationships, I'll get into some of that, 
and to see what God's done to this day in this area and the fruit. And Pastor Mike Maiden's going to be here for the Nights of Fire. Come on, he's incredible. But he gave me a word that I've hung on to. He said, you're a curse breaker in your family. And I believe that this is one area where God has called my husband and I to break curses over dysfunctional relationships. And so if I'm a curse breaker for my family, you're also a curse breaker. If there's curses and things and and relationships that were modeled unhealthy for you, you can be the one to break the cycle. You can be the one to say, I'm not going to have that. I want to do it God's way. Amen? So... Let's get into the word. You guys ready? All right. So I don't know if if any moms here have ever uh, been to a playground. I mean, dads too. It's just statistically more accurate. There's usually more moms at the playground. Don't get offended, men. Except it'd be cool if also you came to the playground with us. It's kind of interesting to watch all the kids and all their things that they do. It's hilarious. Um, But you've been to a playground with young toddlers. Give me a wave. Yes, I know. Playgrounds are awesome. It's where moms go when they just need a break and they want their kids to go do something except bother them. Um, <laughs> I've been there, done that. But I have a very normal real life. Been to a park, been there, done that. But this one time, I took Merrick, my little, I think he was like three or four years old, and he got a new Strider bike, and he was so excited. So he starts riding his Strider bike all around the park, living his best life. I'm so happy because I have a moment of freedom, just sitting there smiling. He's so wonderful. He's so cute. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. And then this other little boy runs up to him and is like, oh, I like your, I like your bike. And my amazing little boy says, okay, I'll let you try it. And so this other little boy starts going around riding the Strider bike. They're living the, he's living his best life now. Well, I quickly noticed now my boy is not living his best life because his stranger friend is now living his best life. And I can see the emotions arising and bubbling up. And I can see the jealousy. And I can see the frustration. And he starts to go, mom, that's my bike. I'm like, it's still your bike. You're just letting someone borrow it. You're sharing it. This is sharing. And then he understands for a three or four-year-old's mind minute, uh, which is three seconds. And he's like, okay. And then three seconds later, but I want my bike back. And I'm like, well, why do you want your bike back? Because he's having fun and I'm not having fun now. And I thought to myself, I'm like, do we ever grow out of that? Do we walk into church And we see that Sally's been rostered on for worship, except my gift is so much better than Sally's. After all, I've been to every training. I I have been to all of the worship and creative nights, except they, they rostered her. She's living her best life, and I am not, and I am mad. So I'm gonna plan a party, and Sally's not invited. Does this happen or doesn't it? It happens. Does Kevin get a business raise and get promotion and shares his testimony on the stage and gets their dream home like Pastor Marco and Natalie Contreras? And then we sit there and go, well, I've been tithing. I've been in this church way longer than them. I've been tithing longer. And Lord, you haven't done that for me. And we have these emotions rise up. And it's like we're three and four-year-olds on the inside playing at the playground except we're all grown up now. (laughs) And God's calling us to not only grow up, but grow up inside and out. Grow up. 
It's funny, not funny. It's funny, not funny. And you can trust me when I say these things might seem like silly examples, but they are happening. They are happening. (laughs) And so I want to bring us to a place today where we can understand that these things might happen, but how we react, how we handle situations, how we do relationships matters. Because if it's important to God, it should be important to us. Amen? And it's not, too, it's not too off far, you know, far stretched because all throughout the Bible you read, even the disciples, like they were chosen specifically by Jesus. They were literally hand chosen every single one of them. And then when you read the Bible, it's like they're fighting and being weird to each other and they're getting triggered and their personalities are too much for each other to handle. And I think we can learn from Jesus in knowing that he is going to build his church come hell or high water with all the differences and all the personalities and all the division. It's going to happen. But are we going to get on board or not? And if those disciples are good enough for Jesus to do it, then we are good enough too. And we can do this, people. We can do this. (laughs) We can do this. And I've discovered also that age doesn't really mean you have it figured out. I have witnessed plenty of old, grumpy people. And in my personal opinion, if, you, if you're an older, grumpy person, it's just because you didn't get this thing right a little bit before this point. My gymnastics coach growing up used to say, practice doesn't make perfect. He said, perfect practice makes perfect. Just because you've been doing relationships all these years, all these years, if you weren't doing it God's way, then you're not gonna get it right. You're gonna practice something over and over, practice out with that relationship, in with this new one because it's new and I can just start all over. We're gonna bring all the same stuff into the new relationship that you didn't deal with from the old relationship. Amen? Too much too soon? I don't know. Too much too soon? My husband's like, just say a scripture, just say a scripture, just put the word out. Okay, here you go, babe. (laughs) The title of the message is Play Well With Others. Play well with others on Connect Sunday because we're already assuming that everybody's going to get in a connect group. Everybody's going to be in relationships. It's already an automatic. But what happens when you go to that connect group and in three weeks someone offends you? What happens in three weeks? You hear something that's been decided and you don't like it. What happens when stuff happens? How do we react? And the most important thing is to learn how to not base our decisions off of our emotions. The Bible talks about it. Ephesians 4.26 says this. In your anger, do not sin, which means that for any emotion. In, in, your, in your sadness, do not cause division. In, in your anger, do not sin. Any emotion and any reaction that we can have to it. And the problem is that too many Christians let their feelings override the word of God. They override the word of God because they feel a certain way. The word of God is our blueprint. What does it say in the Bible? How does it say to treat others in the Bible? We're going to get into that. The other thing I hear a lot of the time is, I'm, I'm just a sensitive person. Well, I can appreciate sensitivity, but the Bible teaches us to be sensitive to the spirit. Are we more sensitive to our emotions than we are to the spirit of God? Be 
sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit into the relationships versus basing every single relationship issue based off of your past way of handling. Let the Spirit handle it. Let God handle it. Let God in. Let's be called to be sensitive to the Spirit. So why is this all so important? Besides being blessed and being happy and you can do all the scientific research on connectedness and I promise you Google will give you some really great teaching. But the Bible is very clear about why this is so important. Jesus actually commands us to love one another. There's two times in the Bible where Jesus commands something and he tells us he commands out demons and he tells us to command out demons and then he commands us to love one another. In John 13, it says this, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. And he's talking to his disciples. He's calling his disciples his children. These are grown people. These are, these are adults. These are, these are his children, though. So something tells me he must have thought that they were acting a little childish. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Command. This is commanded from Jesus to his disciples. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if it's just as important, because we just had Freedom Sunday, Freedom Wednesday, and you should have left your demons at the altar. Thank you, Pastor Daniel Molchanoff, for preaching such an incredible message on Wednesday. But all, all that aside, like we give you the opportunity to be set free from old stuff, get freedom from insecurity, get freedom from anxiety, have freedom, and then what do we do the following Sunday? Now you get to love one another. Because if we don't deal with our stuff, then it's almost impossible to bring love to every relationship that God gives us. And my question for us today is, can we love one another when Jesus isn't in the room? So he's telling his disciples, I'm not going to be here. So you better freaking behave yourself. You're going to go to work one day where it's not a very godly environment, potentially. You're going to go to Trader Joe's where there's people who don't know God. You're going to go out into that mean world one day. Can you still love? Can we still love? You are going to experience some mean drivers on the 78 freeway. What are they going to do to fix that stinky freeway? God challenges me every time I drive on it. <laughs> but do we love one another when Jesus isn't in the room? Also, can you love one another? Can we love one another when our leader's not in the room? Are we just all being peachy friends and pretending like everything's okay because we want to impress our leader? No. We, are, we need to love each other in every circumstance, in behind closed doors, out in a crazy world. Even when someone's mean to us, we show up as the one that loves one another. And the reason why this is so important in that things that we understand as Christians, because we are spiritually mature Christians, accurate? Yes, we are spiritually mature Christians, so we understand a few things. We understand that isolation is not good for us. Isolation makes us worse versions of ourselves. Let's just put it that way. When we get in our own heads with our own thoughts, most of the time not good things comes out. Most of the time. Proverbs 18.1. 
A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. We understand that there's power in agreement. When two or more are gathered, there he is in our presence. A three-stranded cord cannot be broken. And I'm telling you, there's been such power of agreement in this place of believing for Catherine's miracle healing that she's going to walk out of that hospital 100% functioning healthier than she was even before she went in. And it's been so important to us to create an environment of, of agreement in faith. And anyone who brings a different environment, atmosphere with them, we kindly ask them because we understand the power of agreement. We kindly ask them, we don't want to speak that over this situation. We don't want to hear that. We say cancel when we need to. When there's a negative doctor's report, we say cancel in the name of Jesus. And we pray in faith and we pray for the things that we want to happen and we are in agreement. It's the power of agreement that's cultivated this atmosphere of faith. The Bible says in Mark 3.25, a house divided cannot stand. There is no house, there is no thing that can flourish when there is division. A house divided cannot stand. And as, as spiritually mature, awakened church members, these are things we understand. And we also understand the stronger our ability to maintain relationships in the healthy way, the stronger our ability is going to be when the storms come. So when crap hits the fan in any area of your life, the stronger your relationships are, the better you're going to be able to handle it. When, when, the finances, when you have issues in the finances, when you have a miracle that you need to get healing for, when there's a community around you and you've cultivated these healthy relationships, then you're going to see the hand of God come in. All right, let's look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is when the early church was starting to be formed in, in the book of Acts, and you can read all about it. But I love this because it's the perfect depiction of connection. It's the perfect depiction of what should be happening in the church. 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Love it. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Love it. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying all the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were, who were being saved. Come on. This is a healthy picture of what connect groups and church community should look like. They're together. They're enjoying life. They're breaking bread together. They're honoring God for the miracles and the testimonies that are in that place. They are giving to one another. They are generous to one another. And it makes such a witness that other people want to get saved as well. How incredible is that? And that's what our connect, connect groups should reflect. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. In Psalm, it says this, Behold now, behold how good is and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edges of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. It just sounds so beautiful. For the, there the Lord commanded the blessing. When there was unity, God commanded the blessing. Come on. So what is unity? I'm sure you're asking. So what is unity? So I just have to be exactly like everybody else. I just have to dress the same, walk the same, act the same. Well, if the Bible says to act a certain way, yes, you need to act like that. So here, just to be very clear, here the standard is the Bible. 
What is unity? We are unified to what the word of God says. Unity is God has the last say. And if there's any time there's a question, we go to the word of God, not our own preferences, not what we feel like, not what social media is saying, not what the world is saying, because there can be unity in a negative way as well. As we experience in the world we live in today, a lot of people unite under things that are not of God. People can use unity to, as a weapon, actually, as a bad thing. But our job as Christians is to unify under the things of God, unify under the word of God. And what I, what I really want to express to you today is that we love personality. We love people's personality. We love diversity. We want diversity, not division. Diversity is a good thing to let people flourish in their who God has gifted them to be, who's God called them to be. We don't want cookie cutter Christians, everybody looking the same, walking the same, talking the same, you know, like we want diversity in the church because if we're all operating under the standard of the word of God, then that allows for beautiful personalities and diversity to be operating in the house of God. And so, you know, everyone will be different. God has made all of us unique. And as long as we can submit our personalities and our weaknesses to what the word says, then we can have healthy relationships and different people will connect with different people, which is okay. I'm not standing here expecting you to connect with 2,500 people individually. Like everyone's gonna have the group of people that they naturally connect with. And our job is to water that. Our job is to see fruit in that. And if there's not fruit in that, then maybe there's a different group of people for you. And I love that I was looking through the list of connect groups that we have. There is so much diversity. I'm like, one group's playing pickleball, one group's going hiking, one group's doing a Bible study, one group's having a family over and having a big fat party. Like, it's cool. I love the diversity. If there's not, if you don't like the connect group you start with, you don't have to stay in it. You can change. No one's going to be mad at you. Connect leaders, you can't get mad. No one's going to be mad at you if you want to try a different connect group. In the book of Acts, the early church is described as having one heart and soul. And Acts 44.32 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And so, yes, are there going to be disagreements? Yes, are there going to be conversations? Yes, are there going to be constructive criticisms, there's going to be all these things, but as long as we're with one heart and one mind, what we think, what we say, and what we do is an expression of what the Word of God says. And I use that same excuse as, as the man in the video used. I'm an introvert. And when we first came to church and I got married to the most extroverted person that God ever made, Matt Hubbard, this is a real big challenge for me. And we were asked to lead a connect group, and I was like, I don't know if you have the right person because I don't really know if I like people quite yet, and connect groups have people. Um, but despite my unwillingness to surrender, I still did anyways. I said, yes, okay, we can lead a connect group, but it has to do this. It has to have these people, and it can only be this big, and I had all these rules. And of course, those rules got broken because I'm married to a strong man, and I have pastors that saw through all of my nonsense. And so we started a connect group. And I was very hesitant, but then once I was on board, I was very planned. And I told everybody to bring something, and everybody brought something, and then there's this one annoying guy who brought a gallon of milk. And that one annoying guy also showed up early, so he was even more annoying. 
And then that one annoying guy walked in my house like he owned the place and plopped his big butt on the couch. And then, what's up, Michaela? I was appalled. I'm like, I don't know what kind of friends that church people have and are, but this is not attractive. I'm like, this isn't for me. I don't know about this. And then, of course, again, I got over myself, and this young man stayed in our connect group, and we helped him become a little less annoying. And, <laughs> and it was my first practice of being a pastor. <laughs> and God used that moment to show me to have grace for everybody and that he just needed help and he just needed some guidance and coaching on how to operate as a mature adult in this world. And so that's what will happen. <laughs> I mean, the milk guy won't happen, but you will get shaped, prodded, and all of the fun things that God's called us to be in relationships in the Connect group. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, in verse 10, 110, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly be perfectly united in mind and thought and this is such a unique contrast from the church of acts that was in in unity and they were doing these things together and then you see paul writing the church of corinthians who basically messed it all up and just started doing everything their own way living immorally they were doing let's just say bad things for sake of of time but they weren't living right they weren't living god's way and they were causing divisions, they were suing each other, they were coming against each other, and Paul had to step in and write letters to them and say, you guys better start behaving. And this is what he said, you need to become unified in what you say and in your mind and in your thoughts. And so while we have diversity, we don't allow immorality, but we do want everyone to have the same, same tone that they are saying things, the same way of thinking and the same Way of, way of thinking in the same way of our minds and our thoughts and our souls. And all of that standard is in the word of God. He also says a little bit farther down in 1 Corinthians 6, 8, instead you yourselves cheat and do wrong and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And so because you're living this way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. You're living in disunity. You're not in unity with what God wants. You're not in unity with each other. And so you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And who here wants to inherit the kingdom of God? I sure know that I do. And it's unity. It's when we become unified. That's what unity is. And then how do we maintain unity? Unity. It's such a like interesting topic, isn't it? So I have to say like, Right now, like literally right now, this is another fully transparent time in my life where I'm like, every relationship around me is not perfect. And I bet you there's a lot of people in this room where every relationship around you isn't perfect. And that's not what the goal is. You're not going to have all perfect relationships, I'm telling you, because we live in a fallen world and we're humans. You're not going to have all perfect relationships. Some of them are going to be better than others. But our job, how to maintain unity, is to make sure that we live above reproach. We live with the standard of God, and we do everything in our power to reflect what Jesus would do, despite what the other person might do or say. But how we maintain unity is three points. How do we connect with one another? Three points. I'm like, oh, no, it's already time for my points. Yes, it is. Okay, point number one is gratitude. Gratitude. How many of you know that what you appreciate appreciates? 
The things that you're thankful for get better. When you tell that person you're thankful, you notice that they did this. You're glad that they did this. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for saying this to me. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being in my world. Thank you for noticing something that I didn't notice. Every single person and situation is in our life for a reason. And if we can look at how to appreciate those situations and those people, whether good or maybe feels bad, then we're going to be able to see that those things grow. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. It's like, oh, and forgot to say this, and be thankful. In a society where literally people are, nothing's ever good enough. People live with the mentality that there needs to be more this and more that, and, and they're not satisfied, just com- never completely satisfied or content with where they're at. And I'm telling you that gratitude is the key to unlock that. There's studies that I researched, and I'm not going to necessarily share with you today, but even just reading and studying for this message, that gratitude is an antidote to depression. And here people are depressed and on medications and looking for answers in the wrong places, But all we need to do is have a little bit of gratitude. Be thankful for even the bad things, even the things that look bad. And I'm telling you, even with a bad situation, as one of our dear friends getting hit by a car, there has been so many God moments. There's been so many good things. I'm thankful that people in that hospital are being witnessed to. I'm thankful for family members becoming closer. I'm thankful for things, and those are the things in bad situations where we can find the things to be thankful for that brings unity. Thank God for the people in your life, even if they cause you strife, because they cause us to grow. Thank God for disagreements, even though it may be hard, because it brings a different and new layer of connection. Thank God for friendships, and thank your friends for being in your life. Amen? All right. Number two, communication. So fun. I don't know what happened. I should be an expert at communication for real because I have a degree in it. I went to San Diego State. I walked out of that place with a communications bachelor degree. I think four years. I don't know. Uh, It took more like five. But you guys, they don't teach you how to communicate. I was there for five years. And I walked out of that place more of a mess on legs than I went. Ask my husband. We had some very interesting moments of communication. We still do, but especially when we were first married. I want to tell you a story. Oh, wait, it's not about me. It's a story about somebody else. A woman meets with an attorney. <laughs> a woman meets with an attorney and says, I want to divorce my husband. Okay, the ter- attorney responds, let's start with a few questions first. Like what? She asks. Well, do you have any grounds? Yes, we have about five acres out in the country. No, I mean, do you have a grudge? No, but we have a nice wide carport and a storage shed. Let me ask you a different way. Do you have any complaints about him? Like what? Well, does he beat you up? No, I'm up at least an hour before him every day. Well, what about your role here? Do you ever wake up grouchy? No. When he's in a bad mood, I just let him sleep. (laughs) Exacerbated, the attorney finally asked, what exactly 
why exactly do you want to get a divorce? Well, she replies, the guy just can't communicate. Huh, wow. Call the kettle black <laughs> from the woman who can't communicate. Communication is so important. And the world doesn't teach us how to communicate. The word of God does. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says this, there's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. When you've chosen to be silent about something without getting confirmation from God, it's actually an unhealthy, manipulative tool. And I can tell you that because I've experienced it growing up from one side of my family who literally operated in silence, but then when we got in the car, just threw everybody under the bus, and then me being the poor child, sitting there learning how relationships work, going, this is so stressful, but there was silence when they were together. Meanwhile, billions of issues behind closed doors, and then that's one side, and then the other side, who just wanted to like be together all the time and have fun, and then when it slightest thing happened, everybody's angry and very vocal about their anger. And so I'm learning how to be silent, and then I'm learning how to just be angry or fun, and then I marry a man who has the most big personality of a family, uncle and mom, who if you met them, you would understand Dr. Matt Hubbard a whole lot better. <laughs> and it, like his mom, for one of the first times she came to visit me, walked in my house and goes, when's your house cleaner coming? Like she just says what is on her mind. And so I go from that to that to this, and I'm like, Pastor Leanne, I don't know how to communicate. <laughs> no one showed me. <laughs> but how many of us just do that because it's the way that it was modeled? And we don't communicate and have the conversations that, that God has intended us to have. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all one members, all members of one body. I remember when I first joined a connect group, and this was, I've changed a lot. This was like 18, 19-something years ago. And I got into Pastor Audrey and Pastor Stacy's connect group. And these are women who have been Christians their whole lives. And there's me walking out of the club into connect group. And there was some things there. How many of you know there was a lot of things that needed to be worked out? And they were so beautiful and, and confronted with love and grace, these things. And Pastor Audrey told me I should get on a team and serve. And so I did. I'm like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. I'm going to serve. So I did all the right things. Like they told me to tithe, I tithe. They told me to serve. They told me to get in a connect group. I did it all. Meanwhile, these issues are working themselves out. So if there's hope for me, there's hope for you, okay? Just do the right things, and the issues will work themselves out. And I get on this team to uh, decorate the bathrooms. So they're like, maybe if she's in the bathroom, no, no one will have too much interaction with her if she's by herself decorating. <laughs> and so I, I showed up early to decorate the bathrooms, and apparently I had an ugly look on my face. And I must have just gotten a fight with my then-boyfriend, because we would do that a lot on the way to church. And we would say, I'm not leaving the church if we break up. You're leaving the church if we break up. And then we would fight over it. And then we just had to get married so we could both stay at the church. Yeah. 
God is so good. Let's just say that. Praise the Lord. So Pastor Audrey pulls me aside as my Connect leader and says, you know when you come to serve at church, you should have like a little bit of a smile on your face, at least. Like you look super mad. And I'm like, well, I am mad. Like I just got in a fight with Matt. I am mad. And she's like, well, yeah, I, that's not really going to work. She's like, I, I just really want you to try to show a little bit of joy, especially coming into the house of God to serve. And I'm like, okay, that was my first encounter with someone speaking truthfully to me. And then you know what happened today? I got angry with my husband before I got up to preach. And then I got on the stage and I smiled because I've practiced it so many times now. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Audrey. <laughs> So yes, we're here to love one another, and through that love, we get sharpened. Let's not be so sensitive and emotional when somebody points out something that we don't like to hear. It's all out of love. There's six different things that happens when you, try to, when you communicate, and I say try because oftentimes it is trying because, you know, I wouldn't say that everybody in this room is a communication expert. It takes a lifelong journey of this, I would say, but here's what happens. There's what you mean to say, what you actually say, what the other person hears you say, what the other person thinks they hear you say, what the other person says about what you said, and this is where a lot of people get in trouble, what you think the other person said about what you said. Oh my gosh, the amount of times where I have to hear, well, Pastor Leanne said, nah, 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 and I'm like, go back to Pastor Leanne, did you say Oh, no, I didn't say that. Like, it just gets so discombobulated and confused and messy. So we have to be so intentional. And I would say over-communicate and don't give up because communication is one thing that actually will never get better if you just don't do it. If you just don't do it, if you don't communicate, nothing's going to change. So sometimes to get to the actual intention of the communication, the final outcome, it takes a few times because you have all six of these things working everybody's brains and things and ears and everything's filter and everybody's, everybody operates with a filter. So when I say something to somebody, you have to know they have a filter. I have to know that person has a filter. And so this is the beauty of this most complex thing called communication. And our jobs is to do the best we can to reflect love, the best we can to reflect God's intention to ensure your communication, we need to ensure our communication is clear, controlled, and constructive. I usually don't like to preach a message with the word control in it, but this is one area because self-control is where we can control ourselves in our communication. If we're clear, we say what we mean. We don't try to breed around the bush. It drives me nuts when someone's trying to say something to me, and I'm like, just tell me what you're trying to say. And then I can help you filter all the, the stuff that was making you not say you what you wanted to say. And ask questions. If you're unclear, ask questions. I've had so many times where I've had a conversation with somebody and I leave unclear and I have to go back and say, I know I said okay in that conversation, but I just need some clarity. I'm not clear. It's okay to be unclear. Get clarity. If we're controlled, we pick the moment. You know you can pick when you talk to somebody about something? Do you want to talk to me about our plans after church and what I need to do with the kids right before I get up to preach during worship? 
I mean, pick your moments. See, I have a certain situation in my own life right now where I need to have a conversation with somebody that's very close to me. And I, I, I want to and I need to. But I knew where my life has been in a little bit of chaos coming off of the New Year from traveling and coming home. And our family was expressing symptoms for a couple of weeks. So I was managing that. And then I knew I was preaching today. And I know this conversation is going to take quite a bit of energy and quite a bit of self-control and grace from my part. So I've waited. I've wait, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for God's timing. I'm waiting where I have a release that I can be the best version of myself. And constructive communication. Constructive communication will have some positive things in it. It will have life in it. It, will, it. it won't just bring all the problems there and be like, plop, okay, bye. No, constructive. Bring positivity to it. Because the tongue has the power of life and death. And our job when we communicate is to bring life. We're trying to bring life. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to make things happen. We're trying to build. We're trying to grow. We're trying to help. We're trying to love. And sometimes our communication can do the complete opposite if it's not constructive. Amen. That's all this expert has to say about communication. All right, number three, and we can all stand to our feet as we come to a close on this point, is live above reproach. Live above reproach. And I believe that this, you know, in the Bible context of this is, being taught to Christian leaders. And I would like to say and really do believe that the Christians and the members of Awakened Church are today's Christians, Christian leaders for our country, for our state. There's so many areas where even our own pastors are paving the way in our nation. And because we attend Awakened Church, we should take responsibility to be a Christian leader, not just a person who comes to church on a Sunday and says, I went to church and goes out and lives a different way. We are the Christian leaders of this time and of this hour. And what live above reproach simply means is being the bigger person, putting our pride away, putting our stuff away, our issues, putting our offenses away, and being able to step up to be the bigger person. A rule of thumb that I've always held on to, and, and Pastor Leanne taught me this many years ago, is to not let someone else's behavior change yours. Just because someone else is acting poorly or has handled a situation poorly, it doesn't mean that we get to do the same. And even I had a couple of weeks ago, just very recent, had a situation in, uh, in some friendships where just some stuff went down. Like it, it does. And that's what, that's the thing is stuff will happen. Like stuff, things will come up. And, and I knew I had the power to come in and like clean it all up and fix it all up and make poor phone calls and everyone would be able to go on their happy way. And God told me, actually, I want you to, I want you to stay out of it. I don't want you to say anything. He actually told me to stay silent. And it was so hard. I had to bite my tongue till it almost came off. I, 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 because I'm like, but God, I know I can fix this. I know I can. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it better than you can do it. And I'm like, fine. And he did. And he did. And he fixed it. But because I leaned in, listened to the Holy Spirit in that situation, he worked it out. All things work together for 
those who love the Lord. And he worked it out, and things are better than I could have even made them. Thank him. Thank God. But our jobs is to look at situations when they come up, lean less on our emotions, lean into the spirit, set, recognize our emotions. You know, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. So you're going to get angry. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get upset. People aren't going to always say things the right way. People aren't always going to do the right thing. People are going to forget about you. You know, like people are going to forget sometimes. People might, there's going to be an oversight. There's going to be an over, something overlooked that, that hurts you. But my challenge to us today is to always be the bigger person. Live above reproach. Have the right conversation. And I told you guys when I last preached that in 2024, one of my biggest goals, even on my vision card, is to be the first person to apologize every time when necessary and not let it wait. Be the first person to apologize whenever necessary. And I, I'm telling you, it's working out good so far. I don't know. I'm probably going to have to say something to my husband later today. But it's okay. You guys are in on the journey with us. Matthew 5.23 says this, and this is a sobering Uh, sobering verse here. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, first, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. That relationship that you've been estranged from is more important to God than your serve on your Sunday. Is it important to serve? Yes. But in God's eyes, he'd rather you make reconciliation with the people that you have messes everywhere with. Proverbs 6, 19, there's seven things that God hates. And one of them is this, a person who stirs up conflicts in the community. And if God hates it, then we hate it. Remember, our standard is the word of God. If God hates, not, we don't hate the person. We love the person. Our job is to love the person. But God hates when people stir up division and problems and strife and confusion in the community, the community that is of God. So as we come to a close, I know that the amazing Daniel did this on Wednesday night and really did an altar call moment for forgiveness. And I want to do that again today. I believe that if we set up this year right in the area of relationships, we can have the most incredible fruit that we never thought might be even possible. I know that relationships are getting healed this year. Relationships are coming back together. Even relationships that were lost in 2020 due to all the mess, that those are coming back under the kingdom of God with his purpose and his plans. That kids that have been away from the Lord are coming back to Jesus. I see that there's going to be more unity in families. And, and I actually was a little nervous thinking about this year because it's an election year. But I believe that God's redeeming what happened in our other election year last time, that God's redeeming it this year. So the messes that were caused then are going to be redeemed this year because we have the warning from the enemy. And we're smarter this time. And we're ready and we're unified and we're together and we're doing our part to forgive and we're doing our part to communicate and we're doing our part as the leaders, the Christian leaders of this nation. Amen? Amen. So just lift your palms and anyone that comes to mind, came to mind while I was speaking or comes to mind under the 
the atmosphere and environment of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would shine a light in areas that we may have backed away from in the area of relationships. If there's people in our life that we need to extend olive branch to, that we need to reach out to, that we need to have a conversation with, that we need to even just go hug, even just walk up and hug. I thank you, Lord, that we bring unity. I thank you, Lord, that you are blessing Awakened Church because we will not tolerate the plans of the enemy. We will not tolerate what he has. We will not tolerate the the portion of the enemy of division and anxiety and strife and quarreling. We come against that three or four-year-old on the play, playground's default that we may have been modeled our whole lives. We come against that and we say, we surrender to your word. We surrender to your plans. We surrender to your design for relationships through our incredible church and our community and our connect groups. And everybody said, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.